AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Celebrate the end of your workday with the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as another busy Wednesday flies by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from life. You know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. What's up, everybody? Why do I always feel the need to start shows like speaking differently than I normally do? Like with like a different energy. What's up, everybody? I don't ever talk. I never talk like that. Why am I talking like that? It's like you got to start it differently or weird or fun or something. I don't know. Why don't I just be like, okay, here we go. Because that's, that's what I said. I don't know. I'm overthinking it. Hey, by the way, the Hills are coming back. And for a lot of you out there, you might not remember, but the beginning of this show was actually not called the Wells cast. It was called the Pratt cast because Stephanie Pratt of the Hills had her own podcast. Steph being Steph, iHeart had asked if I would help co-host a show with her with, you know, my radio background, kind of keep her between the mustard and the mayonnaise, keep things on track, if you will. But then Steph left the show, moved to London, she gone. But the show is coming back. The Hills are coming back with some even bigger names, apparently. So we were talking about it. And we're like, what do we do here? Do we continue doing the Wells cast? Do we bring back some of the Pratt cast? Do we change the name over to the Hills cast? Like, what do we do? And I think paying homage to the genesis of this show, we got to do a little bit of Hills talk. Even though the person who, you know, was on the show is no longer on this show. It's whatever. We're going to do it. Long diatribe to tell you that next week, we're going to have Audrina on. That's right. Now we're going to talk about Hills. Season 2. Coming back. All right. Let's get on with the show. Roll it. This is the Wells Cast with Wells Adams, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome into the Wells Cast. I'm your host, Wells Adams. Anyways, super pumped about this show. And I'll tell you what. The guy that's coming on today has a very similar story to mine. He grew up playing golf as a kid, went to the same college as I did, moved to Nashville after college, just like I did, got super lucky and somehow was able to trick a famous, beautiful actress into being with them. We're like the same person. We're cut from the same cloth. Now, is he more talented than me? Yes. 
Does my mother remind me of that every time we speak? Yeah. Am I working it out with my therapist? Maybe. Probably not, though, because we got bigger problems. This guy's been doing it for a long time. Absolutely amazing musician. He got offered a record deal when he was like 14. He got to meet James Brown back then. His mainstream debut for The Ride Home found a top five single with Amazing. And his second album, Almost Honest, included a top 10 single, Only You. He's appeared on The Today Show, Good Morning America, Ellen DeGeneres, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Live with Regis and Kelly, Rachel Ray, Last Call. I mean, literally the dude has done everything. Oh yeah, he also wrote the theme song for Mike and Molly. And... If that wasn't all very impressive, he's married to the one, the only, Catherine Heigl from like Grey's Anatomy or Under Siege or Knocked Up. Or, if you're Josh, from My Father the Hero. His story is so cool, so interesting, and he is so candid about his life. This is a really, really enjoyable interview for me. I truly loved having this guy on the show. So stick around. Because coming up in the Wells cast, an episode you do not want to miss with the one, the only, Josh Kelly. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! I'm retired from life. You know that. His business is failing. His house is going up for sale. He is the everyman. Tell me about this driver job. We got a lot of action in this show. We have moments of real danger. And we want to feel as if anything could happen. Gray is invited to drive for this man. He's invited to make money. And he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do. I did what you told me to. And he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+.
Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, I can hear you. Fantastic. Dude, thanks for having me, by the way, man. This is awesome. There's some sort of wonderful flex of doing an interview with someone who, instead of Beats by Dre headphones, they've got in-ears in. I really do appreciate that. <laughs> the other day, it looked silly when I was wearing my, mine, <laughs> but you look cool with yours on. But I just, you know, I don't know, man. I'm Something about this face just looks silly on, <laughs> on Skype with headphones on. <laughs> Josh Kelly, welcome to the Wells Cast, dude. Good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. Our paths aligned a lot. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Give me, tell me why. Okay, so you're a couple years older than me, but I went to Ole Miss. What? Yep, I was there from 2002 to 2007. Victory lap. Okay, so let's think here. So let's see. I was 99. Uh, and I got my record deal, I think it was in 2002. So like right when you got there is right. I was playing, that was at like the height of my old Miss fame as far as like playing the Sneaky Tiki and all those places. Oh, the Sneaky Tiki, man. I remember that place. It's no longer there. I played, that, there was a venue called The Library. I played a lot. Yeah, it's still there. There was a couple different places. And I remember basically like when I first started writing songs that I knew, I was like, oh my God, I think these are good. I would make flyers and I put the flyers for the sneaky tiki shows on every single sorority door Yeah, and put it under there. And I would, you know, sometimes they would open the door and be like, guys, I'm playing the show now. I think you're going to love it. I just kept on like promoting it. And then at, at one point, the sneaky tiki, I think they were giving me $3 a head at the door. Yeah. And there was one night I had a thousand people there. So I was like a, I was still a dependent. I was like 20 years old. And I made three grand on a Thursday. <laughs> I remember just going, holy moly, we in the money, baby. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm like, at the time I was dating this girl named Brittany. I was like, dude, we're going out for shrimp and grits and wine tonight, baby. <laughs> we're going to city grocery, baby. Let's go. We're going to the city grocery. We're going to have them fried bottom feeders. I think we basically just missed each other at Ole Miss. And then after that, I graduated from Old Miss with my journalism degree, and I went and did radio in Nashville and worked at Lightning 100 for seven years, and then iHeart after that. So I assumed you you must have been gracing the Lightning 100 airwaves oh, a bunch yeah. when I was there. Absolutely. I was I was in Lightning 100 a lot. I feel like Amazing was part of heavy rotation for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I, I remember that, uh, and I, I remember um, there was country radio stations and pop stations in Nashville that were playing amazing. And, um, you know, what's funny about that, too, is that originally Amazing was a bluegrass song, and I was trying to get a record deal in Nashville in the very beginning. I got turned down, somehow got a pop deal in for, <laughs> with Hollywood Records, and all I did is just, all we did is just change the song a little, like, yeah. We just changed the groove, and that's how closely related like country and pop music really actually is. It's attitude and groove. That's the only thing that's a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, take out the mando and the banjo, and now it's a pop song. You'll be fine. It really is. So I do want to go back to all that, but I just wanted to kind of start the interview off with you and I. Dude, have hotty toddy. Hotty toddy, and I miss Nashville. You're no longer there. You're in like Utah now, right? Yeah, we're right at, right right outside of Park City, Utah. Congratulations. You are one of the very few people in the music industry that have been able to put out music because and I totally get it. You can't tour behind anything right now, but you've got an unplugged record out now, yep. right? Yep. You know, I mean, 
I don't know if you can see this, but this studio, this is my mad scientist laboratory. And, you know, over the years since I was a kid, I think it's because my parents never gave me Adderall. I just ended up learning like 15 different instruments. <laughs> so I produce everything. I engineer everything. I mix it all, master it all. I mean, I've always done it like that myself. So, you know, no matter really what happens and comes my way, I, I always will make music. I'll be making music until I can't talk anymore. And because for lack of better words, there's no overhead. I mean, I make everything here. So it's like a little, it's like a little factory. So I mean, during the pandemic, it just gave me an excuse to sort of lose myself in the studio and, and spend more time with the kids. And, um, I did a lot of online shows, but I, I, I have written, this is the most prolific I've been in my whole life because I don't know how to sit around and do nothing. <laughs> Unplugged from Upstream Studios is Upstream Studios like your little man cave? Yeah, it's, this is actually a, it's like a, it's a farm. So it's a horse ranch, pigs, goats, chickens, you name it. Uh, dog rescue. Um, and my mother-in-law built this place and there's this room at the very sort of end. Like if you go outside these doors, there's a bunch of horse stalls and all that. And she was gracious enough to give me this space and, it's a nice big room because I, I used to create at home. And, and as much as I love that, my kids are getting to the point now where they will come in and, you know, want to hang with dad and they will, you know, kind of take me out of the moment. I have to escape to, to be able to really create. And so it's, this is, this is great that I can come here and sort of get lost in the music and then go back home and be dad. What can people expect from this unplugged record that they wouldn't normally from past releases? Well, you know, I mean, I grew up at the very beginning of MTV Unplugged, and I used to love that stuff. And I used to love, I mean, I remember I could probably paint every frame of their Nirvana Unplugged and the Eric Clapton one. Yeah. And so over the last probably four or five years, uh, my team and I, we've noticed that my, my, my solo acoustic shows, which I play piano, acoustic guitar. Sometimes, I mean, I have my rig too. So sometimes where I'm like, dude, let's just have a dance party and I'll just like press the space bar and we just rock out. And there is something about the solo acoustic show that moves the needle more than the full band show. I think it's because it's a variety show. I can grasp my fans a little bit better and, you know, make them laugh, make them cry, take them through a sort of an emotional roller coaster. And because of that, my fans have asked, you know, repeatedly on social media for me to record the songs the way I do them, you know, on the shows. And so I basically, you know, 80% of it is there was their choice, you know, songs they chose. And then the other 20% were some of the new songs that I only got to do three shows right before the pandemic that I was doing those songs live. And it was really moving the needle. And one of them is a gospel song called hold me, my Lord. And so I just kind of, Cherry picked them and started recording them in here and kept them really minimal, you know, just soup, just not a whole lot going on and very exposed, very naked. And, and it, it allows the voice and the message to really shine. So I, I'm really proud of it. I mean, it, it kind of was just something to, that I did for fun. And when I sent it in to my team, they were like, uh, we're putting this out, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of how it happened. Just very organically and having fun you you can never really beat that i used to always say that my favorite bands to go see were three pieces because there was nowhere to hide yeah you can't be bad at your craft in a three piece and i guess i should revise that to what you're doing because you have to be super vulnerable 
in that space. You are the piano player. You are the guitar player. You are the lead singer. Yeah. I used to play music back in the day and stuff. And, and there is something nice about being able to hide behind people when you need to. Was it a hard transition to be like, guess what? It's just me now. You know, no, it was, I remember the moment. It was 2014. I was in Virginia and I was about to play this show and I was in my hotel room and I just decided, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not on the show. You could probably bleep it, but I decided to not, I didn't give it anymore. I didn't give a shit what people thought about me. I didn't give, I don't care. I'm not going to censor myself anymore. And because of that, it allowed me to be authentically me and goof around, mess with people, make them laugh, and then play a song about my daughter and make them cry. Like just in, instead of trying to be someone else, I, it just it just literally was like light bulb went off. And ever since that day, I walk into shows going, I'm about to mess these people up. Yeah. Like I, and it, and it's fun for me because, you know, I've been doing it long enough now to where I really know what I'm doing and I really, really love it. I love it when people don't know if they're about to have an uncomfortable moment. You know, some shows like acoustic shows, you're like, oh my God, this is so uncomfortable. Man, I make us a family right off the bat. And, and once we're a family, then it's a variety show that we're all on together. <laughs> I want to know about the science of creating the set list because you're like me. My fiance is an actress. Your wife is an actress. And I've learned so much just from being around her about character arc in stories. And a lot of times she'll be like, well, this is going to happen because this needs to happen for this, this and this to happen. I'm like, I never even thought about movies and TV shows that way. And I guess the question is, is that live music is very similar. You're taking people on this emotional roller coaster. Yeah. What's your blueprint for setting that all up beforehand? Or is it all off the cuff and just how the crowd is, is reacting to well, you? Well, yeah. So it's it's for me, it's mainly based on the crowd. And they, you know, they, based on how, what, what their show is, what kind of show it is, what the venue is, I tailor that to the crowd for sure. What I, what I make is a cheat sheet. So I make, I will write down a list and very big black Sharpie on the ground of like 40 songs. And I kind of put little, little cartoons next to some of them. Like, Hey, make sure you, you know, hit these, these are the most important ones for this kind of venue. And then based on the crowd, I, I sort of organically kind of decide what kind of journey I'm going to take them on based on how they're reacting. If it's like a chill crowd, like let's say it's a hotel cafe in LA, or let's say like in Boston, it is a city winery and those people are there. They pay, they pay top dollar to wine and dine and to really listen to music. And so that's a totally different experience. I don't have to, you know, like if I'm doing a festival and there's a bunch of drunk idiots, it's completely different, like an outdoor thing, you know, where it is. And so, I mean, I really do tailor it towards that. Um, it's the people will let me know what kind of journey they want to go on. But I think usually my big thing is, is, I love to make people laugh and I love stupid dad puns and jokes and all that stuff and coming up with them. And I, I, you know, if I'm flying from here to New York or Boston or something, I spend the majority of the flight coming up with new jokes <laughs> and it's really fun. Some of them suck and those are the funniest <laughs> ones. <laughs> What's more gratifying doing like, let's say a show that would be outdoors or at a festival where, where people aren't paying as much attention as you'd like and then winning them over or from jump street playing a show where everyone is just already hanging on every word. 
Dude, I will give you an example. So I did this. I was headlining this country festival. And I can't remember it was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, I don't even know where this place was on the map. But it was, you know, it was an outdoor festival. And right before me, a full band with like smoke and shit come out of cannons played. And then all of a sudden, it's just me and an acoustic guitar. And this one dude, super drunk, kind of young guy, he kept going, play Garth Brooks. And he was so loud. And there's probably 3,000 people there. They could all hear him. Yeah. Play Garth Brooks. The old me would have just like kind of shrunk into like just shrunk in, in and just like gotten through the show. The new me that doesn't give a shit <laughs> starting in 2014 said, um, uh, I think I, I think what I said is I said, is there any security here? I said, see that guy over there yelling Garth Brooks. I said, can you get that mother effer out of here? And the <laughs> crowd erupted. And then I had them. We were together. They clapped. And the dude got escorted out, and all of a sudden we're a family, you yeah. know. And and then the show was great. Before that, all I could hear is this guy kept on saying that over and over again, play Garth Brooks. And I love Garth Brooks, but no, not right now. And it worked. And it, that's one of the things that I've learned just over the years. Like, you know, there's going to be outside forces that try to can mess you up and skip you up, and you just don't give it a heartbeat. Get rid of it or play with it. Don't shrink. And then once that mother was kicked out, you brought the house down with Colin oh, on yeah. Baton Rouge and everyone loved it. <laughs> it was fun, man. It was very interesting. I don't know if you know this. Do you know when when I was at Old Miss, I was actually there on a golf scholarship? No, we're going to get into all that. Don't worry. Oh, I'm really? I'm very, very, very excited about that. this. Now you got me thinking about Old Miss, man. That was so fun. Yeah. God, what a great place. Speaking of all this live music, I feel like it's it's about to happen or it's like slowly happening. I was talking to Russell Dickerson uh, on my other podcast, and he was like, dude, we're Love about him. to release a tour. You've got a tour coming up in the fall of 2021. It's happening. We're back. I'm so excited. Yeah. I mean, you know, right when the pandemic happened, I had finished three shows, and and we were still, I, I was still thinking about going to Atlanta and finishing out that next little part of the run. And my wife was like, are you sure? And then next thing you know, my manager calls me and she was like, no, no, yeah. you're not going anywhere. And, but what I did during that is I will tell you the positives of COVID for me. There was actually, I, I hate saying this, but there was a lot of them. Um, the positives are I created a much better and closer relationship with my fans. My social media following doubled. And because I just became more involved. And so I spent a whole week researching how to how to create my own really great online live shows with multiple cameras um, using an using OBS, an online broadcast service. And but like really owning it. Um, and so I I was kind of one of the first guys that I know of during it that really hit the ground running with the live shows online. I had you know, three cameras set up. I switched the cameras with my toes <laughs> and it was so fun, man. It was really cool. And I was able to do these fun, quirky things that I do, but I will tell you this, there are subtle things that you do in a live show, really subtle things that do not translate online. And I'm so looking forward to October because the tour got pushed four times in October. It's happening and I am ready to, to have a tangible experience yeah. with other humans. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, everyone out there, you can go get your tickets at uh, joshkelly.com. And the new Unplugged record is called Unplugged from Upstream Studios. It's out now on Spotify and Apple Music and everywhere you can. Everywhere you can get music is yeah. out. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or promote before we kind of pivot over to my portion of the show? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just tell you, too, like the album that came out in November is called My Baby in the Band. And we just printed. Let's see if I have it right here. We it's my first time ever, you know, basically printing vinyl, mm -hmm. like doing it on my own. Check this out, dude. So we got this. This is actually a picture that of my wife and I when we were in New York in our honeymoon phase yeah. <laughs> where we, you know, where everything was sparkles and butterflies. I got to choose the color, dude. I have a huge vinyl collection, and I don't have one that's red. Oh, very and cool. And I love it. Yeah, it's like lipstick red. So we're selling these on online on my website, and I'm I'm personalizing and signing every one of them. So when people get the record, you just have to put in the um, in the comments like, "This is for Stacy. She loves your music," and and I'll put it on, and I put it on there. It's fun, man. I love it. And we're like a homegrown one-stop shop over here. And it's my wife and I, and it's actually really fun. I'm back to being an independent artist again because we've thought about doing the major label thing again. But the, but the thing is, is I'm 41 now. I've got so many great relationships. We're really moving the needle on our own with our partnerships and like digital distribution and everything. And nobody's buying. When's the last time you bought a CD? I don't even think they make cars with CD players anymore. I think that's over, right? Yeah. So I don't, you know... I think we're just going to stay kind of homegrown, you know, for as long as we can. And I'm loving it, man. It's it's more fun. I can put out a song a day if I want to. Yeah. Instead of having to wait for your place in line. It's definitely the way of the future, man. The way the industry is moving, it makes the most sense. Or like just do it like Isbel did and like start your own label. And then that's effectively what you're doing anyways. And you're putting out yeah, what Yeah, so that's want. what we've done. Yeah. Yeah. We started our own label and we just partnered with a distribution company, which is what major labels do anyway. Yeah. And if you want to go on a radio tour, just get a loan. That's what a record deal is. It's a loan. Yep. So I hate saying that because now somebody's going to call me after this and be like, <laughs> I don't know, whatever. I don't give a <laughs> I don't think RCA is like, oh, did you hear what happened on the Wells cast this weekend? Josh Kelly, <laughs> what a dick. Typical Josh. Typical Josh. Um, <laughs> you're hilarious. That's awesome. Quick break. When we come back, I don't know if anyone told you, but my show's origin stories. I like to find out where people came from and how they got here, the success stories that you had along the way, the blueprint uh, that you have created for yourself that other people that listen to this show can use in their life. So when we come back, Absolutely. we're going to find out where the hell Josh came from and why the f*** he is on this show. <laughs> Stick around. You're listening to The Wells Cast. <laughs> you're a nut. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. 
Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my character, Gray Parrish, from my new series, Parrish. Yeah, I can drive. My character was a getaway driver. Yeah! retired from life you know that his business is failing his house is going up for sale he is the every man tell me about this driver job we got a lot of action in this show we have moments of real danger and we want to feel as if anything could happen gray is invited to drive for this man he's invited to make money and he quickly realizes this is not the right thing to do i did what you told me to and he's in a world over his head. Now, let's go! He will try to do what's right and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. All right, back in the Wells cast. Very excited to have Josh Kelly on the show. New Unplugged record out right now. It's called Unplugged from Upstream Studios. You can download it, stream it, whatever, over on the internet. And then, of course, the fall tour is coming up in October. Grab your tickets at joshkelly.com. I saw that you're opening up in Nashville at City Winery, which is a place that's yep. near and dear to my heart. Love that place. Me too. I love all those venues because it's perfect for what I do. It's the perfect size audience. It's the it's people that get my jokes. Yeah. You know, that are gonna spend that much money on a ticket. They get my jokes. I hate saying that, but you know, a lot of my stuff falls flat for anybody, you know, nineteen or younger. <laughs> so I am in your age bracket and I too love that shit. I don't know, like for people that don't know, it's kind of like dinner theater but uh yeah. with with musicians and it's so wonderful because the food's great like this is now turning into a city winery plug but i know i know the, the food's great that. the wine's great and then it's also just like good vibes it's a bunch of people that like are there for the same reason like just to enjoy yeah. music sitting together you never know who's at your table other than the people that you brought it's awesome yeah no they spent they spent their money i think there's like 10 of them now and they spent money on making sure, like, when you go there, it sounds like a freaking record. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, the sound system, the engineers that are there, I mean, it it's it sounds like – that's why I always tell them, too. I'm like, will you please record the show for me because yeah. I want to be able to use this because the sound quality is so good. So I, that, that's what it is. It's all about vibe. It's almost like you're going to, like, a distillery or something when you take a tour. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks like that. Nice and oaky. Yeah. I like that kind of exactly. shit. like oaky places. Woody. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, make sure you go uh, download the new Unplugged record now. Grab your tickets. I want to pivot over to my portion of the show. I'm just kind of fascinated with how successful people became successful and like what 
trials and tribulations you ran into along the way. When we started the show off talking about how we both went to Ole Miss, but I, you know, we got there in different avenues. I'm from California, and you were born in Georgia, right? Yeah, originally Augusta, Georgia. Yeah, home of the Masters. Yeah, which is a tradition unlike any other. I know you went to Ole Miss on a golfing scholarship, and we will get there, but you grew up in Augusta. Have you played Augusta? I have. You know, I've been very lucky to have some friends who um, are members, and they've been very kind to me and, uh, you know, allowed me and my family and us to get out there and play. And it really is the most incredible, most beautiful experience I hope that my buddy Ernie is listening to this because I really like to rub that in. There's something about it. It's the most beautiful place in the world, and it's weird. It's like its own. It's like its own country inside of a, the city of Augusta. You know, you can't get in, and if you get in, you can't get out. It's like one of those things. It's its own little world, and it is a glorious, beautiful world. Very rarely does anyone trump me on being from a more badass golf mecca because I'm from Pebble Beach, but I do think oh. that you win. Because anyone can go play Pebble, but not everyone can go play Augusta National. Oh, dude, Pebble is now talk about an unbelievable experience. I think I'm actually going to be doing when they when when they allow the Celebrity Pro Am to happen again. Looks like I'm going in 2022. My little brother does it all the time. You know, my younger brother is Charles Kelly from the band Lady Antebellum. Yep. Now called Lady A, and um, you know he does it every year. And I used to do all these pro ams, and then finally my wife was like, "If you're not making money, you can't just leave us for a week." <laughs> so I, what I always do now is I, I'll always call whoever's like putting on the celebrity pro am. I'm like, "Hey, if you need entertainment, yeah, just think of think of me because then I can I can justify going." <laughs> so you were born. In Augusta, Georgia, is it just you and your brother, or do you have other siblings? No, there's six of us. We're the Brady Bunch. Three girls, three boys. And, uh, you know, Charles and I, well, actually, my older brother, the reason we got into music is my older brother, John, you know, took us everywhere with him. And I honestly, I can't thank him enough for that. Like, everywhere he went, even with his friends, we were in his beat-up car listening to Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Jethro Tull, Super Tramp. Like, he just immersed us with music. and then. When he he went off to college, he was on a golf scholarship at Wake Forest, and he came home one day with like some pawn shop guitar. And when he went back to school, he accidentally left it there. And when he came back a month later, I had already taught myself a couple Led Zeppelin songs. And he was like, well, I guess I'm giving this thing to you. Like he couldn't take it from me after that. And so that's really how music started for us. And um we made a drum set for Charles out of pots and pans. And next thing you know, we're just jamming all the time. And I felt like Charles and I put in our 10,000 hours before we ever even got to college. That's how music started for us. Just gigging around. We had a band called inside blue. I remember that James Brown's manager, Larry Friday, he wanted to sign us to a record deal. I remember this. We were like 15 to 14. He was like, you'll have a record release party in in New York. We'll have all the finest ladies and all this kind of stuff. We were like, yeah, Larry. And my dad came to the meeting and he was like, nope. Yeah. You're not doing any of this shit. (laughs) We were so mad at my dad. But thank God he said no. Because who knows where we'd be right now. I'd probably still be doing music, but I'd probably be on the side of about sleeping on a park bench in in California somewhere. <laughs> I had read that like in in meeting uh those people and being offered that uh that deal that you got to actually meet James Brown though. Oh yeah. Wow. I'm a huge James Brown fan and 
yeah, we got to meet James Brown. I still can remember the feeling of his hand on the handshake. It was like, it was like a, like a, like a really, he had a really thick hand too. And it was like a, like an old, like baseball glove. Yeah. I could, st- I swear I could still feel his like dry baseball glove hands. And I, and it, and it, it was so like nice and warm and nurturing handshake. He was like, hello, young man. I was like, Hey, Mr. Brown. And he was so cool, man. He was just a cool dude. Uh, and I got to, I think we met him again too. When we were, my little brother was getting like allergy shots. He was at the allergy shot doctor. And my mom was like, my boys would love to shake your hand. <laughs> He's so nice, man. Yeah. We got to meet James. That was great. You put in your $10,000 before you went to college, but I guess you also put in your $10,000 before you went to college for golf as well. Cause you went to Ole Miss on a golf scholarship at the time. Were you like, I'm going to be a musician or were you like, I'm going to be the next Tiger Woods? You know, I didn't, I didn't know. All I knew is that I, I wanted to, to, to get far enough away from Augusta to where I could kind of like start an, I mean, I, and I loved my growing up in Augusta. It was amazing. It was a perfect place to grow up and have the opportunities to learn music and, and golf and all those kind of things. But I just, I've always been kind of a loner and I need space, you know, to, to kind of, you know, blossom and be myself. And so I was, I was very excited about golf, but music has always been sort of like the dream. And I, I remember when I was a kid telling my little brother, I was like, I'm, I think I'm going to do music for a job. And, he, and I remember him going, no, no, you can't, man. Nobody does that. They're born into it. I was like, I don't think so. Yeah. I think they're just normal people who just, you know, work really hard. And so it was always in the back of my mind. And I think what happened is, is once I started realizing that I was going on more dates because of music and not golf when I was in college, I really just sort of organically started steering myself in that direction. <laughs> and, and then it just, it, it, you know, it happened out of nowhere. I don't know if I've how many times I, I haven't really said this very much about how I did it. But I remember when I came up with my little, for lack of a better word, scheme, online scheme at the time. I think it was like 2000 or 2001. I knew it was going to work. And it involved Napster. Remember Napster? Of course. What happened is, is that, you know, I was making music that I really, that I liked. And, and, I, and I was like, I need to get my music out there. And, you know, I'd already had Napster and I was, you know getting music. And, and at the time, Napster, basically, it's like if somebody in, let's say, Braithwaite, Louisiana, had their laptop open and and were sharing their library songs, you know, you could take from their laptop and, you know, share it through the Internet onto yours. And so I realized one day by accident, I right clicked on somebody's unique username. And all of a sudden, this little thing popped up on Napster. It was like, basically, you could send them a message. And I went, holy and so every single day I would type in a new artist. Like first day I typed in James Taylor and then a hundred results of pe- unique users that were sharing James Taylor songs basically came up on a list. And so I sent a um, hundred people that day a message saying, Hey, I noticed that you like James Taylor. Why don't you try this kid out? I just found named Josh Kelly. You're going to love him. What was your username? Did you have a different username? So people weren't like, Josh. I don't even remember <laughs> it, who knows what it was. It was probably something stupid. I think it actually was something stupid. It was like change basket or something like okay. that. But it wasn't like Josh Kelly at Gmail. And they were like, 
this guy Josh Kelly is telling me to go check out this yeah, new guy no, named it Josh wasn't. Kelly. No, it, it wasn't. I prided myself on coming up with clever names, and now I'm older, old enough to realize that uh, none of those things, usernames I came up with were clever at all. Yeah. But yeah, I did it a hundred times a day for I think about two months. Yeah, you know, and I would go to the library at Old Miss and do it because there was a firewall, so you know nobody knew what my IP address was. And basically, after about two three weeks, I didn't even have to have my laptop open anymore to to share to host my songs. People were sharing them on their own. They so many people had downloaded my stuff that it, for lack of better words, kind of went viral in Napster. And then I remember one of my recipients about two months into it, I think I was basically had like typed in like Stevie Wonder or something. I said, hey, if you like Stevie Wonder, you're going to love Josh Kelly. <laughs> and and all of a sudden, for the first time in two months, somebody actually like sent me a message back mm-hmm. and said, hey, I love this stuff. Who is this guy? And I said, well, it's actually me. I'm just trying to get my music out there. And he goes, well, I'm an A&R guy for Hollywood Records. Can I call you tomorrow? And I gave him my number and I thought it was BS and all my friends were like, this is BS. And all of a sudden he called me the next day and six months later I had a record deal and a year later I had, you know, one of the highest played songs on the radio and it really all happened a little bit too fast, but it happened. (laughs) That's ingenious, dude. I wish what I knew, I wish at the time I knew what I was doing with social media, I would be a billionaire, but I just, all I cared about was getting the music out. I didn't realize it. How it, like com- people wanted to communicate on a platform. If only you had known that oh, oh, Instagram yeah. was going to be a thing. Oh, I'd have flown my helicopter too. I'd be right there in person <laughs> with you right now. <laughs> so that all happens. You become this kind of huge name. You've somehow hacked Napster, which is genius. What happens next? The A&R guy asked me to send him music. So I, you know, I burned a CD and I and I was an art major at, at Old Miss. And so I used the art department to make like a really cool CD cover and yeah. all this kind of shit. And so, you know, remember the 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 Mac computers that were look like an ice cube? Yes. Yeah, that's what I made it on. And so I sent him the music and he loved it. But and, and he, you know, and I was I was really talking myself up to him when I was on the phone. I mean, and I, you know, I, I talked to him like every week. I wouldn't let I wanted to be on his frontal lobes. Mm hmm. At all times, because by God, this was going to happen. And so I sent him music and I was telling him how the shows were. I probably was embellishing them a little bit. I was like, dude, there's like 10,000 people here. <laughs> you know. And he came out to see he came out to see a show. And, you know, I think he liked what he saw. And then we just kept on chatting. And then at one point he was like, let me fly you out here to L.A. And he flew me out and I played for the A&R team, you know, at the record label you know, on the Disney lot. And. Here's the problem. I don't know how I got away with this, but or how I'm even got in the business because I showed up with Birkenstocks, <laughs> uh, frat boy hair, a golf shirt, and raggedy khaki shorts, and I played my songs. And I remember, you know, going back home and I and I called him. I said, you know, how, how did it go? They were like, hey, they really like you and they love the song, but they don't think you're a star. And I was like, what? Not a star. And it's because, dude, I showed up in sandal, you know, what an idiot, you know, but I was, that was me. And I remember going, well, I think what I said to him, I said, go over them. He goes, they don't want to, you know, the NR team didn't want to take a chance on you. I said, well, go over their heads then go to someone else. And he literally went to the general manager and played them the song because I asked him to go over their head. And the general manager was like, 
why are we not what this is a hit and next thing you know i had the deal yeah so it was almost not going to happen and and i think at the time i just i wish i still had that fire you know i'm still looking for that guy sometimes that was you know i it was going to happen come hell or high water and i've lost him a little bit but it was very interesting you know when you have that that much will and you just you know you know you're going to make it happen it always seems like things just kind of do, you know? It's so funny because I have this conversation with a lot of really successful people, a lot of actors and, and musicians and stuff. In that time of your life, there is no plan B. And so when you have no plan B, it makes it really, really easy to be like super hungry because there is yeah. no fallback. Yeah, there's no there's no doubt. I mean, I you know, I remember being, you, you know, having all this nervous energy back then. Uh, that was a little almost kind of manic, you know, I mean, it was it was all I thought about. It's all I focused on. I remember, you know, praying for a record deal and, and I had a ritual every night that I did. I literally would I would kneel down next to my bed when I was at Ole Miss. I would kneel down next to the bed. I made sure no covers were touching me and nothing on the floor was touching my legs or anything. It was like I, it was like this crazy ritual. <laughs> and I was praying for a record deal. Everything that I was thinking about, everything I was doing was focused on that. So if there was any angles that were coming at me that maybe nowadays I probably wouldn't see it, then I was so focused on it. anything that could even fit in the category of helping me to get a record deal. I saw it at all times, you know, and like pulled those things in. So I, it was interesting how I look back on that time in my life where, you know, yeah, I mean, I was going to make it happen. You know, if it wasn't going to be Hollywood records and if he couldn't have gone over their heads to get to the GM, we were going to go to Columbia. We were going to go somewhere else. I was going to knock on doors until it happened. And, um, you know, I am actually finding that guy again. I will tell you what's helped is I stopped drinking bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, me, my brothers, my family, we have very addictive personalities. And I spent a lot of the last, whatever, 15 years being uh, – not the best version of myself, not a bad guy or anything, just, just always like living in a low hanging fog over the last two months. I've been so clear headed. I am running on functioning on all cylinders again. And now I'm addicted to that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, dude. I love being sharp and, and really getting stuff done and like, you know, and like turning in it, I'm writing a new song every day or every other day, with an artist and sometimes different countries and I'll do the demo after we're done on the zoom. And then I send the song in and it's like that stuff makes me super happy now. I don't know why I just love it. I assume you got signed to Hollywood records. Was it a good deal? Yeah. Yeah. It was a good deal. I, you know, I had actually my A&R guy at the time, he found me a good lawyer, you know, I mean, and I will tell you this, like if there's any young kids who are thinking about doing this and, you know, and uh, here's some advice that I wish that I would have been given. Uh, I got two things. The first thing is I wanted to show my parents that I could do it. I didn't need their help. That I could do it all on my own. I regret that. I wish that I would have involved my dad and, you know, my mom and everybody else because there's a certain wisdom that he would have brought to the table and there's mistakes that I would not have made. I made a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now because of all those mistakes, I'm when if a new young artist comes here and I'm writing with them, I'm able to teach that. The second little life lesson, which I did hold on to, my very first producer who produced all that, his name is John Alasia. He produced John Mayer's first record, uh, Jason Mraz, Lifehouse. You know, we were like 
this like young singer songwriter like factory and he told me to never sell my publishing he said it'll be your retirement it'll be your kids education one day and i took that to heart and i had there was a lot of people throwing a lot of big money at me back then and he said just remember that whatever that figure is it has to last you basically the rest of your life and and then in a little way you're kind of betting against yourself so i never did it and now here i am 41 still own my publishing and it literally is my retirement it is my kids education is exactly what he said so kids don't bet against yourself unless it's 20 million dollars then take it yeah <laughs> but that mailbox money baby it's uh Woo. it's good stuff i uh, wrote the theme song for the tv show mike and molly yeah and it got syndicated and i will tell you that was an answered prayer man because before that i was running low on dough all of a sudden out of nowhere Keb Mo and myself, we got that theme song and whew, yeah, I needed it. That financial security, you know, man, the entertainment business, there's, there's no guarantees. You make your guarantees, hopefully. <laughs> Very true. Okay. So you sign with Hollywood. I assume you go on tour for a while. When did you separate from them? Uh, so let's see, I made two records for Hollywood records. So the song only you, that was the first single off the second record, only you. That's how I met my wife. Really? Um, I had just bought a house in Nashville and because I wanted I, – I, I was just ready to get back to the south. And I bought a house in Nashville. And the day after I bought the house, I had to go back to L.A. and shoot a music video for the song Only You. And I didn't know who was going to be the leading, leading lady in it at, at all. But And then when I met her, it was Captain Freakin' Heigl. And I still didn't know then. I didn't know who she was because nobody told me or anything. But we were both under the Disney umbrella, you know, Hollywood yeah. Records. She was on ABC doing Grey's Anatomy. And we hit it off, man. We hit it off. And we've literally been together since that day. And not until, I can't remember what it was. But when I was a kid, I was totally obsessed with her movie, um, My Father the Hero. But I didn't know that it was her for a while. <laughs> and I literally... When I found out it was her, I, I went, I can't believe that somehow I figured out how to find that girl in my <laughs> life that I was totally in love with when I was 13. How in the f*** yeah. did that happen? And we've been together since 2005, man. It's So I, I thank Hollywood Records for that. But after that record, they they let me go. <laughs> Wasn't she also the daughter in Under Siege? Was, was she? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Your wife's done a lot of really cool movies. I mean, like Knocked Up still is like one of oh, my yeah. favorite. It's so funny and so well done. I remember that's actually when I proposed to her. Really? Halfway through shooting that movie, I took her to the place where we shot the video. The The couple that owned it on Venice Beach owned the place. They were like, yeah, of course. I said, I want to propose to her here. So they let me go up there and set up a whole thing. And I proposed to her on the rooftop in Venice where we shot the video. Like, did you feel a spark immediately or were you like, oh, she's like a great actress and like this is. No, I didn't even know she was an actress. I just I, I really <laughs> I tell people in my shows all the time. I crack people up. I'm like, dude, I got Katherine Heigl for twenty thousand dollars <laughs> in 2005. <laughs> like that definitely wasn't going to happen. I mean, what it, talk about the sweet. So it's like right before Grey's Anatomy really hit. Yeah. You know, so I didn't know we just hit it off like we were hitting it. We were in two separate buildings. So we're like having this sort of love affair you know, through the windows while I'm playing music with my band and she's dancing to the music in this, mm -hmm. uh, you know, basic whatever apartment on the other side. And then we started doing our scenes together. And when we did, I, that's when 
I turned up the charm. Yeah. Southern charm, baby. <laughs> and I started working it. And it's crazy, man. We literally, we have been together since that day. We just hit it off. And, you know, I know, I know this sounds super cheesy, but she's definitely my freaking, my soul jam. You know, we just, we fight like cats and dogs, but we just get each other, man. Yeah. That's freaking awesome, man. How long from shooting that to like first makeout session? A week? First day. Yeah? But she had a, yeah, but anything past that, she had like a two-month rule. And I'd never <laughs> heard of anybody having any rules. You know, I didn't, I didn't, the only rules I grew up with are like, you know, brush your teeth and go to bed. Yeah. I didn't know that, those rules. And so, but I, you know, I was like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, anything you want, I got you covered. So it was great, man. She's just, she, she's just, she's rad. She's fun. You know, she has a lot of respect for herself and, 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 and I respect that. I think we were definitely both in love, but I think when you know, you've got something pretty special, you don't want to, you don't want to ruin it with that. Yeah. You know, there's more to life than that. So I'm glad that she's taught me a lot. She's definitely made me a way better person. And, and, you know, she's kind of taught me how to see past myself. I can be very self-absorbed because I love making music. I love what I do. I like to do my things. Mm -hmm. And, um, I've learned a lot from her for sure on how to be, how to, how to not just keep myself to myself. You know what I mean? Like how to be more present as a, as a family man and, and, um, and all that. So yeah, I'm very grateful. Yeah. There's something to be said for getting involved with like a super high functioning, powerful woman. I mean, cause I'm the same way. I'm super self-absorbed. I do these shows about me and everything. And when I see her creative spark and like her drive that I'm like, Oh, got to keep up or got to try to at least, you know, and it helps, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, rising tides raises all ships or whatever. And yep. it's an important thing to align yourself with someone who also is super driven or as driven as you would like to be, you know, it makes life, I feel like a lot easier. Yeah. It's very interesting. You know I mean? I, like I've never, she's so freaking talented. Like, you know, when I go, I forget sometimes that this is what she does for living living. And like I, I went and she was doing her Netflix show and, and I, you know, I'll sit right there next to the director or whatever. Sometimes they give me a chair and I forget, my God, she's so good at this and it's effortless. She doesn't, people get mad at her because she doesn't have to, she will look at like three pages of lines one time while yeah. you're doing your hair and knows them for the rest of the day. Yeah. And everybody else is like studying their lines. I'm like, how do you do that? Do you have a photographic memory? Like, what is it? She goes, no, I just really try to understand the tone of the moment. Like what, like I, I put myself in this, the, that emotional scenario. And it's not so much that I've memorized all the lines. I memorized, I memorized the feet, the feeling. Yeah. And, and so it allows her to, she knows what it's got. She knows what's going on. You know what I mean? She doesn't, it's not like you can tell when an actor is like, really trying to pull from the memory bank like what was that line what was that line and they're like seeing it go through their head she's just pulling on the emotion and i'm like you're a genius yeah. how did you do that <laughs> and she's put in you know hundred thousand hours and i think that's how you do it i guess i don't know it, yeah. it blows my mind 
Well, hey, man, I want to be respectful of your time. I generally end the show before rapid fire questions with this question, which is, is there a credo or a, a motto or a rule that you live by that you found that helps you continue to be successful in whatever it is you do? God, that's a really good one. I have a bunch of them. I'll tell you what I've learned in, in my last 10 years of living. Honesty is so freaking huge. You remember when you were a kid and you would you would have like a lie and you didn't want anybody to know this line. You would hold on to it. And even if people knew, you would still just like you and it and it would it would eat you up inside. Whatever you were hiding, it would eat you up inside and um and really kind of like just that nervous energy can just kind of ruin your life. And and there was a time in my life where I just went honesty all the time, mm -hmm. always. No more BS. When I was a kid, I, I had to do a lot of bullshit for reasons I won't explain, but to to for other people's feelings, you know, to make them feel better. Tell them everything's gonna be whatever. And and now I'm just I'm I'm learning. I'm still not perfect at it. But if you can be honest as you can throughout the day, all the time, you won't you'll never have that nervous niggling crap that can eat you alive. And yeah, definitely it's very freeing. You know, even if it's bad. I just, you know, say it, it's, and it, it just frees you. It's like when Jerry Maguire's beating on the steering wheel, when he finally gets, what is it? Cushman yeah. or whatever. And he, the song plays and he's just so happy. I think that's kind of like the relief that your body feels when you, when you don't put yourself in bad situations anymore. You're just honest about how you feel, what is going on. And it just cuts through the bullshit. I work on this reality TV show where I'm kind of like therapist slash bartender. And a lot of people will come up to me and they'll ask for advice. And I, it's always the same, which, which is what you, what you're saying is, is, but the way that I say it is, I was like, the truth always sells every single mm -hmm. time. If you lie, then you sound inauthentic because it's not who you are. So just be who you are. And I tell you what, nine times out of 10, especially in the reality TV world, everyone wants to be the funny guy on TV. The truth is always much funnier than whatever bullshit you've come up in your mind because the truth totally. is something that everyone can relate to. Oh, yeah, I, I can't go on the steaks. I have diarrhea. I ate too many tacos yeah, last yeah. night. So that's very true and, like, a hard to say, but it's hilarious, and everyone that watches will be like, I've been there, too. That is. Oh, funny, yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, honesty is relatable. And like yeah. I was saying, you know, 2014, when I decided to be – to not care what people think. It, all I was doing is just being authentically my honest self, mm -hmm. my my true self. And ap after that, man, uh, God, it is so freeing. I don't. I really don't get nervous for shows anymore. I get excited, yeah. and I, I already know I'm about to take people on an experience, and it makes me. It is better than any drug. I swear, it is the best. That's awesome. Before I let you go, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Oh, God. Okay. God, I'm so bad at these. All right, I'm ready. All right. Rapid fire <laughs> questions with Josh Kelly. First one, favorite pizza topping? Oh, uh, sausage and uh, black olives. You have a favorite book? Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers. First concert you ever went to? Uh, that was Vince Gill with my mom. <laughs> First job you ever had? Was at Hickory Ham. I was glazing hams and making <laughs> the most amazing sandwiches for lunch people's lunchtime experience. <laughs> Aside from your wife, who's the most famous person in your phone? And maybe also aside from your brother. Ashton Kutcher. That's a good one. First record, cassette, or CD you bought? Pearl Jam, 10. Nice. Favorite superhero? My favorite superhero was uh, Hulk Hogan. I don't know if he wasn't a superhero, but I thought he was when I was a kid. <laughs> he, I always had him making out with Barbie, but Barbie was so much taller. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had to overcome. You know, he needed something to overcome. 
uh, physical trait you notice first about someone you're attracted to? Oh, man. It's just vibe. Usually, yeah, confident in their own skin. So physical traits. So I would say how they hold themselves while they're smiling. Did you have a celebrity crush? When I was a kid? Yeah. I mean, it literally was the girl from My Father the Hero, and then I married her. I swear (laughs) to God, it's so weird. I can't even believe it. I can still, I could, I haven't seen that movie in forever, and I can still, like, paint you a a few of my favorite frames that have been stained in my memory since uh, 1993. Josh Kelly. (laughs) Truly winning at life. The Unplug from Upstream Studios is out now. Go stream it, download it, buy it. He's got vinyl for sale at joshkelly.com. Don't forget about the fall tour. Again, also tickets available at joshkelly.com. Where can people find you on social media or on Napster for that matter? Yeah, on oh, Napster. Never that funny. Uh, so Josh B. Kelly. My middle name is Bishop. I actually always wanted to go by like uh, Bishop Kelly is my my stage name, but they wouldn't let me. So it's Josh, Josh B. Kelly, and Kelly is spelled K-E-L-L-E-Y. And we do some pretty goofy, funny shit in there too, man. So it's it's actually been a lot of fun for me to to build that following up. My wife thinks that my following is cute. That's what she calls it. <laughs> yeah. I've got like 4 million. I think I have like 100,000. And she's like, oh, that's adorable, honey. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I, dude, I'm in the same boat as you, bro. Hey, let's play We're some. blood brothers. Yes. Let's play some golf soon. Dude, let's do it. I'm in. Let's do it. All right. Hottie Toddy, brother, thank you so much for being on the show. It was really wonderful talking with you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it, man. All right. See you, man. It's a blast. Subscribe to Wells Cast on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you get your podcasts. It's the internet. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.